0: Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian goes under center this time. Mills, the deep back. Turn and toss it to Mills off the left side. He's to the 10. Step arms a man. Five dives. He is in touchdown, Nebraska. Diedrich Mills finds the end zone from 14 yards out. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts. Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are on Monday night. Hope you had a great weekend. A lot of good football over the weekend, wasn't it? I mean, it was dramatic difference getting the SEC back, getting the Big 12 into conference play. There was some fun matchups on Saturday. We'll talk a lot about that throughout the program here tonight. Jeremiah Searle is going to join us a little bit later on in the hour. We'll get his take about camp opening up for the big Red. I mean, I know they've been practicing, but they haven't put the pads on you. That is a big difference. We'll hear what kind of difference that means to guys like offensive linemen. Jeremiah will fill us in on that coming up in a few minutes. Friday night, we played for you an interview that I did back in July with Sean Becton, Husker tight ends coach. Uh, We didn't get that one in when we were doing our position breakdowns back in July and early August, and then the season got – canceled but with the Big Ten back in business we decided to wrap up our series of reports about the position breakdown for Nebraska and tight ends was the only one we didn't hit on so we did so now we have the full gamut in there and the guys have been busy putting together all of our rankings and then averaging them out and it'll be interesting to see where we kind of land everybody This is totally unscientific, but it's a snapshot, at least, of kind of what we think maybe will be the strengths and weaknesses of the team. I will tell you, there is a bit of a surprise in one of the projections for the team. We'll get into that later on in the hour. Monday nights means Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com stops by. He'll be here at the top of hour number two. We'll talk about what was a wild weekend in sports, some major upsets, the defending national champs going down in the SEC, third-ranked Oklahoma losing to Kansas State. There were some juicy things that happened this weekend in college football. We'll get Adam's take on that in hour number two. Besides the position breakdown, something else that we halted back in early August was our trip uh, around the Big Ten as we preview all the schools in the Big Ten. We had gotten six schools in when the league decided no more, no mas. So we're picking that back up tonight. We'll continue our track around the Big Ten with we'll a look at Northwestern, who will be opponent number three for the Cornhuskers, as they'll travel to Evanston on the first Saturday in November. So Louis Vacare of the Wildcat Report will join us coming up in hour number two. We'll have our weekend preview. We'll look back at the Major League Baseball season. We selected all of our divisional winners back in July. How do we do? How do we fare? We'll uh, take a peek at that and preview the MLB playoffs, which gets going tomorrow, and we'll have our weekend winners for you. Uh, at the end of hour three as well. And as always, phone lines open and available for you at 531-500-4686. That also doubles up. as our U.S. Cellular text line brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Oscars, U.S. Cellular Connecting, Oscar Nation. Well, Ben McLaughlin, how much different did it feel watching college football Saturday as opposed to the first couple of weeks of September when you didn't have the SEC on the field? and the Big
1: 12 wasn't playing conference games. Was it that big a difference for you? Oh, yeah. It, it was dramatically different for me. And I, I don't like giving the SEC credit because they give themselves a lot of credit in a lot of areas um, when it comes to not just football but every sport. But it, it it was a complete game changer for me. And And I think getting the leagues in conference play too – Makes a dramatic difference. Like watching Kansas State, whether they beat Oklahoma or not. I, you know, I watched. You know, even into the third quarter of that game, it never looked like Kansas State was going to win. But that game held my attention. You know, until they started coming back too, which I think says something. I think, you know, it, of course we're going to be interested if you know it's a one score game throughout or whatever. But you know, early early to mid third quarter, it didn't look like K State was going to hang around it but it's still the game still held my attention I was interested to see how um, Spencer Rattler looked I was interested to see you know what Chris Kleiman's team looked like with with an experienced quarterback so I think there was enough storylines you know throughout the day that that got me excited of course I was super jacked for Florida State Miami um, you know until, until that one started that thing was a blowout but of course then then you add the SEC factor and um, you know, seeing the defending national champs play, seeing Lane Kiffin for Ole Miss out there, um, you know, it's just something about that league that, that screams college football, It screams big time. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said it felt like any other Saturday to this point. I think it, it stepped it up a few notches for me.
0: Bigger upset, K-State winning in Norman or Mississippi State winning in Baton Rouge?
1: Well, I think, you know... <laughs> To me, the, the, the bigger upset is is Kansas State beating Oklahoma, and I would say that because we had no idea what LSU was going to look like. I mean, the, the kid that started for LSU hadn't started a, a football game since high school. I mean, he had I think 2016 was the last time he had started a game. So there were so many unknowns with what LSU was going to look like, really on both sides of the ball, that – you knew Mississippi State was was a competent team, and, I, and I'm not saying that Kansas State isn't. I'm just saying Oklahoma had every reason and right to win by five touchdowns over Kansas State last week. I mean, or this weekend with with what happened last year in Manhattan. Um, you get a great start from a from your newcomer quarterback in Week One. You, you kind of feel like you're going to pick up right where you left off uh, the last few years at quarterback. Uh, you got some big parts back on defense. I know they're de- dealing with some inexperience uh, at the skill positions, but um, it just didn't seem realistic to think that K State was going to go to Norman and win after what happened a year ago. And I think I think college football is now on notice every any time a coach climbing field led team takes the field. Uh, I I kind of think that. You know they they they're going to start developing that reputation as a team that you better you better show up on Saturdays or or you're going to get it handed to you, and and I think K State or excuse me Oklahoma found that out a little bit the hard way, thinking that they had that in the bag once Rattler threw his fourth score and they were kind of taunting and celebrating, you know that that seemed to be when K State kind of turned it on, and you know many of many of the people around the Big Twelve footprint Greg thought okay well now that Coach Snyder's gone it's there's really not many people that could make K-State a winner like, like Coach Snyder did. But I think you, there might be three or four guys that fit that mold that he developed over so many years in Manhattan, and Coach Kleinman happens to be one of them. And so it doesn't look like there's going to be, you know, any sort of difference. Like Mississippi State is going through an identity change right now. I mean, and, and it, it happened to work in week one. My point is you're not going to see that with Kansas State. There's not going to be an identity change. They they did it the same way on Saturday that they've been doing it forever under coach Snyder. Blocking punts, special teams, good tough defense, you know, getting off the field when you have to, not committing big penalties. Things of that nature that, you know, that have identified Kansas State as that, as that team that holds that reputation, the Big 12, and you saw exactly those same principles on Saturday, which I think is alarming, and, and it's, I mean, it's past alarming in Norman, but I think the rest of the league is, is on alert um, with, with what's happening in Manhattan. So back to your original question, I think Kansas State beating Oklahoma is the bigger upset because there were so many unknowns down in Baton Rouge. Jeremiah Searles
0: joins us right now. Hello, buddy. How are you doing? You doing okay? Oh,
2: uh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing good. Hanging out. Excited to be back in uh, Lincoln. And football's back. Nice shirt, by the way. Yeah,
0: I got my old Mahomes this, shirt on tonight. The old uh, Mahomes MVP shirt, huh? How are you doing without football? Are you? I mean, has this been tough on you not playing right now? Have you had withdrawals?
2: I've actually been all right. So the first weekend of football and the second weekend of football, I was uh, I was hunting both weekends. So I wasn't I wasn't I was in Colorado with my dad for a week long elk hunt, and I missed opening weekend and I missed the second weekend. And so it wasn't too bad. So this was really like my opening weekend. I watched football all day Saturday. I watched football all day Sunday, and I missed it a little bit, especially watching some of the guard play in the NFL right now because there's some bad football going on up front. And it's just hard because it's like I think I could still do that, but then I like stand up and get the creaks and i and like ah, I don't want to do that anymore.
0: <laughs> so you miss the game days. Anything I else? I do. I
2: miss. I miss the game days. I miss the camaraderie of being in the locker room and being with the guys and having those really cool discussions that you only can have in an NFL locker room like that. Because you know, it's just it's such a unique place. You get so many perspectives on life so many different walks of life, so many things that mean different things to other people. And so the ability to have those conversations, and I mean, especially in today's age where there's so much controversial stuff going on, you could have some really good discussions as long as they kept in discussions and not turned into fights. Um, I think that those would have been really fun to have this year.
0: You're right. I, there was some, I thought, some bad football yesterday. There were some really good oh games. My gosh. That, yes. The Philadelphia-Cincinnati game that ended in a Poor. tie. Um the NFL's got to change that, don't they, Jeremiah? they got to change that overtime rule.
2: I So Cody Green was actually at my house. We were watching the game. I had my neighbors over, and I was like, dude, I think if you if you go full overtime and you're still in a tie, go to college rules. Go to college rules instead of put yeah. on the 25 and, and go for it, and no field goals.
0: Kind of how the, I look at it. Is the college thing too easy the way that they've set I, it up?
2: I don't think so. I mean, the red zone
0: is, in my opinion,
2: it gets harder once you get in the red zone on an offense at least i mean when you get in the red zone everything's more condensed right the play can't develop as long you can't have these routes going big down the field i mean everything happens so much quicker and the defense knows that so the defense can do whatever they want they can blitz they can sit in coverage they can drop five they can drop eight i mean they can do so many different things to keep you off balance that i think the red zone is actually one of the harder parts on the field to play in
0: do you ever play in a tie at the nfl level
2: no thank goodness dude i can't imagine going through an entire game in overtime and then meeting at the 50 yard line and shaking hands and being like we could have just done this before the game and not killed ourselves like it, my buddy did it spencer long did it when he went over to london they played, oh. I think, since, I think Cincinnati. I think oh. they played Cincinnati as when he was on the Redskins. Played a long, grueling, hard-fought game, and then ended in a tie. And they were like, "Dude, we literally could have shook hands, and I wouldn't feel the way I feel. And now I have to go get on a plane and think about a tie all the way back to the states."
0: Wow, Jeremiah Searles with us uh, with the Husker Sports Network, and talk a little Big Red football now. <clears throat> all right, this sounds like the week. That pads go on. How, How different will that be for this team to put pads on for the first time in about 10 months? Right.
2: I, it's going to be a big learning curve. I think Scott and the crew probably know this, but they got to do a good job of not just throwing them to the wolves, right? I mean, these guys are going to have a lot of energy, first of all, because they're excited to put the pads on, I guarantee it. But also, you got to make sure that you kind of reel them in or keep the reins on them. Don't let them just go full out right away. It's an acclimation period, period, but also a developmental period, which is kind of weird, never really happened before. Um, It's one of those where it's like, you want to hurry up and get ready to go, but you got to make sure that You don't come out of the gate too fast. You don't have as many injuries. I mean, you look at the NFL, right? Injury, 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 ACL, torn groin. I mean, so many different things have gone on in the first three weeks that I think that's because a lot of the acclimation period for the NFL, which is the preseason, was taken away. So now you have you're not in a full camp. I mean, you and I talked about it last time I was on the show. These kids are still in school. Like, I think it's the 20-hour rule still, right? Am I am I correct is. in that? Yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, you got to be really, really, really careful but also very critical of your time when you look at it and say, okay, how are we going to shape this? How are we going to function this? But there' going to be a lot of energy, a lot of juice, and we always joke the best day ever is the first day in pads and then the worst day ever is the second day in pads because then you realize you're in it for the long
0: haul. <laughs> Did you have – are there guys that are really good players – until the pads go on oh
2: yeah oh yeah the pajama players absolutely (laughs) dude yeah when we're out there running around in our underwear those guys are the the, they're the all-americans they're they're the scout team all-americans they're the pajama all-american they're running through the a-gap because you know you're not going to get lit up with pads on and then you put the pads on they get thumped once or twice and uh they kind of stop doing that and then they kind of fade to black and you see it every year you see it in the NFL, you see it in college, like OTAs, there's someone that's popping, right? They're like, man, this guy's having a great camp, da 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 The pads come on, it's just like poof disappears because it is it's a different game when you put the pads on there's consequences now like there's no consequences you run through the a gap and the lineman doesn't smash you in the teeth like you run through the a gap now and i got full pads on i'm gonna smash you in the teeth and you're gonna think twice about trying to go make that play so yeah there's definitely guys that can show up and show out when there's no pads on but then there's the same way that guys struggle to play without pads on guys that are super physical and can really get after someone and maul them right Whether it's a linebacker or a physical receiver and without pads on they feel kind of hampered and then they put pads on it's like they switch to a different gear and then those guys really pop too which is for me what was really sad is you didn't see those guys the undrafted free agents the low round picks in the NFL be able to put that on display for a preseason and that really made me sad for a lot of those guys.
0: So, Jeremiah, these Husker coaches have a lot to learn then about a bunch of these guys that they haven't been around before, right? I mean, anybody who came in the program after the Iowa game last year, they haven't seen him get physical with anybody.
2: That's crazy to think about, isn't it? Isn't it wild to think about, like, you're trying to learn about – so you saw Bryce Benhart, for example. I mean, you use him, for example. You saw him last year in practice before the Iowa game, right? And then you're like, okay, we really need this guy to be – the guy we need him to start a tackle for us this year so we can get our best but like right now he's got a huge question mark over his head because again is he doing a really nice job in pajamas or is he going to do a really nice job when the pads come on which like you need him to be I mean you know who Farniak is you know who those guys are another guy and like that's where you want to see did the guys make the jump right did they make it over that hurdle did Dakeem Green make the jump to be mm-hmm. what he can be this year I mean is is I mean, is uh, Omar Manning really that big physical receiver that we need him to be this year? Like, is Mills still running behind his pads? Is Sevian Morrison going to be running behind his pads, right? You have so many questions and so much to learn that, yeah, there's just question marks all over because I think there's more guys that we don't know about going into fall camp. I'm going to call it fall camp because it's still technically fall, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's I think there's more guys we don't know about going into fall camp than there's guys that we know who they are and what they're about going into fall camp this year.
0: Again, visiting with Jeremiah Searles from here our Husker Sports Network, former Husker offensive lineman and um nice lengthy stint in the National Football League as well. All right, first game the twenty fourth of October. Is that enough time? Will they have enough time I think so. to
2: be fully evaluated? I think that's enough time. I think I think uh, I think that's what, a full month? Yeah it's about a full month of time. I think that I mean they've been doing certain things to keep themselves in shape. I think that it's gonna be a lot on the kids to what are they doing extra? Are you coming in early in the morning? Are you getting some stretching in? Are you getting some cold tub? Are you getting the lifts in? Are you are you staying ready beyond what's being asked of you? Because that's what's going to be – that's what's going to make teams great to good this year and good to bad this year. Um, the teams that are just going to say, all right, we got 20 hours. Let's show up, do our 20 hours, go home, play Call of Duty, sit around, do our schoolwork, do whatever, are going to be bad this year. The, the teams that are like, all right, we're going to do our 20 hours, but hey, seniors, we're going to meet – once or twice a week as a team and go over things, like they'll be good. But then the great teams are gonna be like, hey, we're meeting every day on our own, no coaches because we can't exceed 20 hours. We're gonna go over things. We're gonna do all these things so that when we hit the field, we hit the field running and rolling. And those are gonna be the teams that are great this year. And it's really gonna be a mindset of there's only, you're only gonna be allowed so much work. ohio state nebraska same amount of hours same amount of work what are you doing when no one's watching what are you doing when the coaches can't be with you in order to make sure your team is ready to go and not playing catch up because i mean eight games is gonna go by like that i mean it's gonna be fast i mean eight games no bye week rocking and rolling you're gonna blink and the season's gonna be over so if you think you got time to gear up and ramp up those first few weeks like a normal season where you're playing st mary's deaf and blind like that's not how this works like you got to come out the gate hot and ready to roll, especially guys that want to go play in the NFL.
0: Gonna be wild. Hey, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, how's your fantasy teams doing? You hanging in there with some of the? Are you are you in more than one league? I know you're not. I'm,
2: I'm in three leagues right now. One league I'm I'm doing all right in. The other two leagues I'm struggling in. Um, our league I'm, tuff, I'm, I'm I'm having issues in our league right now. Carson Wentz is not. He's he, not the Carson Wentz that I wanted to be. I did put in. I did put in a waiver for uh, Nick Foles time in Chicago yep. now. I mean, it is Nick Foles time out there. Trubisky's taking that seat. So I, I think we need to get on get on the Nick Foles train because I think it's full steam ahead in Chicago. And if I'm Dan Quinn, I'm not sleeping much at night.
0: Yeah, no, not for those back-to-back <laughs> weeks. Jeremiah, great no, stuff sir. as always. Thank you, buddy. Be good. Absolutely.
2: Take care. Go Big Red. Talk to you guys soon.
0: Right now, let's start with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. I don't know about you, but it sure it sure felt legit. Saturday with the SEC going and conference games in the Big 12 and the ACC. It felt like a full-blown college football Saturday to me. How about you?
3: Yeah, Greg, I had the same feeling. Uh, you know, the first few weeks were spotty, not a lot of games, unfortunately some postponements, but you had a lot to pay attention to. That's kind of, it's kind of that head-on-the-swivel feeling. You have sometimes on Saturdays or a lot on Saturdays during a normal season with you know a Texas wild game with Texas and Texas Tech and then LSU's losing and you know uh, Auburn and and Kentucky was kind of a fun game for a while so a lot going on and. I when the Big Ten gets back and eventually the Pac-12, will have even more to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, great stuff. Let's start in the Big 12. That's where the, the, a lot of the fireworks happened on Saturday. Uh, Oklahoma stubs their toe again. Uh, Kansas State seems to have a bit of their number back-to-back years. K-State's won three of the last five in Norman now. That was shocking, though, the way that thing unfolded. What would you make of that game?
3: Yeah, and I didn't even mention that one. That was, that was the most shocking result in some ways, just because of how it was going. I, I, I kind of switched away from the, the the game because it looked like Oklahoma had it wrapped up, up 21 points. But you give Chris Kleiman and his team a lot of credit. They just don't go away, and you know the, they they felt all along that they could attack this Oklahoma defense and then eventually uh, make some stops with their own defense. You know Spencer Rattler. You know she you know, looked like a freshman at times with some of the. The uh, the uh, the pixie through, but obviously a, a really talented player, but a guy that's still just playing his uh, his second college game, and so um, yeah, really impressed with the Kansas State offense, Deuce Vaughn and Skylar Thompson. He just wins a lot of big games. He won a lot of these guys in his career, memorable ones, and um, you know it's just uh, it's a shocker because Oklahoma. Uh, now is, uh, is certainly battling back to try to get into playoff contention and, and, and to try to continue that run of Big 12 championships. Still a long way to go. I don't think anyone should be writing them off, but I think the concern you have if you're an Oklahoma fan is that the defense, even though it looked really good uh, early in that game, uh, late in that game, the same old problems that have uh, surfaced too often the last few years.
0: And, and they've tried to rectify that, right? I mean, Coach Riley has switched defensive coordinators. They have great athletes. It's puzzling, isn't it, Adam, why they don't play better defense?
3: Well, it is and it isn't. I think Alex Grinch is a good coach. I have a lot of respect for him. And I think they were on the right track last year. But I think you and I have talked about this, and you might have even better perspective than I I will, Greg, just being around the Nebraska OU rivalry for many years. Oklahoma has had a, a void of elite defensive linemen. I've said this for, for, for probably four or five years now. You know, they just don't have guys that, that you're scared of up front, and, and they have such great tradition at that position, and they just haven't had th- those, those run stoppers and, and great pass rushers and, and, and you know, all-America caliber defensive linemen. And I think until they have that uh, in a league where you're going to need to get sacks and you're going to need to create negative plays, it doesn't matter how many athletes you have in the back end. You're gonna you're gonna give up uh, yards and you're gonna give up points. And so I think the defensive line is still the group that's holding back that Oklahoma defense, even though they have a good defensive coordinator and, and obviously the style of offense they play in the league they play in, you will know, make it hard in general. But I, I would focus on that defensive line.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Speaking of defense, there wasn't a lot played in Lubbock. That thing looked like a basketball score when yeah. it got over. What do you make of Texas now after that performance?
3: Yeah, I don't know what to make. I was pretty high on Texas coming into the season because I love the quarterback in Sam Ellinger, and he showed why in rallying them back to win a game that looked improbable. Uh, for them. But I also thought their defense is going to be better. Chris Ash coming in. I think Chris is a really good defensive coordinator. I like the way that Texas had recruited. But a, a Big 12 coach told me something a few weeks ago that certainly rings true. It's similar to Oklahoma. He said Texas is not that talented in the defensive front. They don't have guys that really worry you. And I think, again, that was showing up. Now they had a lot more issues and Tom Herman talked about it today, the missed tackles and how it's just been hard to hit and, and really prepare your team from a tackling standpoint because it's been an unusual preseason. But uh, they have to be a lot better, certainly. So, you know, a win's a win, and no matter how you get it, uh, I think you could probably have written a book about the special teams in that game on both sides, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because there was a lot of just wild special teams in that one. But, um, you know, uh, they, they march forward, and they're going to have to get better. You know, TCU's a team that beat Texas last year that uh, really uh, made, made, a, made a tough afternoon for Sam Ellinger. So uh, Texas is going to have to rebound, uh, and then obviously Oklahoma coming up in a few weeks. So we'll, we'll learn more about Texas. I'm not completely giving up on them, but they need to be better on defense. Yep,
0: yeah, visiting with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com, recapping this past weekend in college football. Let's go to the SEC. It took Mike Leach one game to make a, to, to make a mark in the SEC, and he takes down the defending national champions. What What impressions did that game leave you?
3: Wow, a lot. I mean, you certainly give Mississippi State credit. And, you know, they had talent on offense. People forget just how good of a player KJ Costello was in 2018 at Stanford. Uh, He was looked at as an NFL prospect, a guy that, um, you know, had, had, had pretty impressive passing numbers. And then you insert him in Mike Leach's offense. And that's just going to go even even higher. You know, Kylan Hill is one of the best running backs in the country. And even though he didn't carry the ball a lot, he, he caught the ball and, and created yards as a receiver for, for Mississippi State. And then you combine that with LSU, which I, I just don't understand their defensive strategy to be so aggressive against this Mississippi State offense without their best defensive player and Derek Stingley, who unfortunately fell ill. He'll be okay, but he wasn't out there for LSU, the All-American. And, uh, and they continued to, to play that man coverage, and Mississippi State just, you know, just kept burning them over and over and over. Bo Pelini, obviously, connection to, to, to Nebraska. You know Bo's going to be aggressive, mm-hmm. but it really seemed to backfire on that LSU defense. So, definitely a new year for them. They were a little up and down offensively, but I think their major issues are going to be on defense. And then for Mike Leach, what a debut. I think the key there is, is it's going to be consistent. Can he can he do that against an Alabama? Can he do that against an Auburn? Because I think those defenses are gonna be a little better prepared than LSU's was. Yeah, no doubt.
0: All right, let's look ahead to this week. Alabama did not have a problem with Missouri. They get home to play AM, who struggled to get past the Commodores on Saturday night. Do you give the Aggies any kind of a chance on this one Saturday?
3: Well, they're gonna be a lot have to be a lot better on offense. And you know, Jimbo Fisher, I watched him after the game. I watched him earlier today and you know, he, he, he hasn't completely lost faith in the offense, but was pretty blunt about the mistakes that they made, the penalties, the, the turnovers. Kellen Mond has to be better as a senior quarterback. I think they have a good running game, uh, you know, especially, um, you know, uh, their their lead back, uh, Spiller, is, is, a, is a nice player. Uh, you know, they, they have some receivers, but they're going to have to execute much, much better against an Alabama team that you know is going to score more than 12 points. And uh, I thought A&M's defense played well uh, for much of the game, but they, they're going to have to be really good. They, they have some talent in the back end, Greg, especially their safeties. Uh, both were very good against uh, Vanderbilt. They're going to have to be outstanding against Alabama. Jalen Waddell and, and Devontae Smith are, are both guys that, uh, that can really create some headaches for defenses. So I'm excited to see this one, uh, just to see if, if A&M, you know, again, this is supposed to be a big year for them, year three. They have Alabama. They have Florida next week, so they're going to have to start st- stepping up right away.
0: Stay in that conference. Georgia plays Al- Auburn this week—a battle of top ten teams. What's what's going on with Georgia in the quarterback situation? And, and size that up for us, would you?
3: Yeah, it's a bit of a saga now. You know, we all thought it was going to be Jamie Newman, the, the Wake Forest graduate transfer, and. He opts out uh, right before the season, basically, and and now they're 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 uh, you know with with uh, with JT Daniels is cleared now. He was that was announced today the USC transfer, so he might be able to get in there. He started for USC in 2018, but uh, Stetson Bennett, who's a former walk-on who was Jake Fromm's backup, he replaced Dewan Mathis against uh, against Arkansas and, and did some decent things for them. So I think he's going to be the option this week. Against a really talented Auburn defense, but Georgia's going to need to get their run game going. They're going to need a better play, I think, from their offensive line, which is a little spotty against Arkansas. Uh, but their defense is outstanding. Their defense may be the most talented in the country. So we'll 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 see if uh, we'll see if they can get, get get a little bit more. But that's a situation to monitor going forward with the quarterback.
0: Night game between the hedges. That'll be fun to watch. Number one team in the land, Clemson home to Virginia, who look pretty good in their opener. Can the Cavs hang for a little bit against the Tigers in your estimation?
3: You know, you'd like to see someone give Clemson a real challenge. I think they'll get it from Miami next week, most likely. But, you know, Virginia is a team that obviously made the ACC championship game last year. Um, I think that they're, you know, slowly uh, getting better on the defensive side of the ball. They do have a new quarterback and uh, that could be a tough situation against this Clemson defense, which is once again, uh, you know one of the more talented units. Brett Venables has, has really established himself as, as an elite uh, defensive coordinator year in and year out. So, uh, um, I, I don't anticipate we're going to see too too much of uh, of Clemson uh, struggling against Virginia, but but we'll see. I, I think this is a, a good program that Bronco uh, Mendenhall is building there, and uh, but I think we're going to see a little bit more next week when when Miami comes to Clemson.
0: Any off the radar games that have your attention for Saturday?
3: You know, I I, I think there's I mean I, I kind of mentioned Texas and TCU just because that's uh, that you know just because Texas has had some trouble. With with them, I think Oklahoma and Iowa State is an interesting one, you know, Iowa State has played well under Matt Campbell in this series. And, you know, if Oklahoma wants to win the Big 12, they they need to win this game. Um, And then if Iowa State, you know, again, their only loss is out of conference. So they went in and and found a way to beat TCU last week. So uh, if they can win a big one at home, you know, then we start looking at them a little bit differently. You know, they have an experienced quarterback in, in Brock Purdy. They have some, some real weapons on offense. I, I really like their young running back who had a big performance last week uh, against TCU. So I think that, that they're, they're interesting to me. And, and, and this is real desperation time for that Oklahoma defense. Can they play better on the road against another good offense, another good quarterback? If not, then we pretty much, uh, I think we pretty much write them off for the playoff this year.
0: See, I thought you broke up with Iowa State. I'm surprised you went that way. But yeah, they can, they,
3: can, they, can, they can get me back. I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I do really like a lot of the – I like the players and the coaches over there, but, but man, they've been inconsistent. I guess that's a lot of people around college football.
0: No doubt. Adam, we appreciate it. Thanks very much. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk next Monday.
3: Sounds good. Thanks, Drake.
0: we here to talk about the Cats. Louis Vacare of the Wildcat Report. And, and last year was a tough year for the Cats, Louis. Just three and nine. But man, I don't know that I've seen anybody get hit with the injury bug as much as that team did. And it, I, it's probably one of those years you just soon scrub off your memory, isn't it?
4: Yeah, no question. And by the way, it was nice of you to put a highlight of uh, Northwestern's lone Big Ten win on that uh, intro there. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. But yeah, that's that's exactly right. They they are trying to uh, get the better taste out of their mouths. I think they've got, um, you know, they got something to prove. They got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, they had things going pretty well the previous four years. They won 36 games, three bowls and a west division title and then last year was just a complete disaster so that uh, they're looking to prove that uh, you know that was an anomaly and they're going to get back on track this season
0: you know coach Fitzgerald's teams are always going to play pretty good defense i think they even ended up in the top 25 in total defense a year ago with all those guys back i would think they're going to be shooting pretty high on that side of the ball aren't they
4: yeah, absolutely. You're right. They were they were a top 25 defense. You know, despite the fact the offense left them out to dry a lot last season. You know, they uh, couldn't sustain drives, and the defense was on the field an awful lot. But they've got like uh, eight returning starters back, and you know, Paddy Fisher's back, uh, fourth year as a starter the leader of that defense and i think where they're looking to improve i mean they they were a solid unit all the way around last year i think the one thing they can do though is uh create more turnovers i think they had 14 last year if i'm not mistaken which was uh really down and i think that you know it was was, uh a little less than uh a little more than half of what they had the previous two seasons and that's something i think they're going to work on is uh you know, creating some turnovers, getting some takeaways, and then trying to do a better job of getting off the field on third down. But all in all, you can't complain. They, they were they were a pretty good defense last season.
0: Absolutely. And, and, may, and as many as maybe eight seniors may start on that side of the ball. Let's go to offense. That was the, the question mark. And getting Peyton Ramsey to transfer from Indiana to, to take over that role, has he lived up to the billing? Is there any question, Louie, that he's the starter? No, I don't think so. I mean, they haven't said
4: anything, but uh, no one is really saying anything about a competition. This is this was his job to lose from day one. I mean, they brought him in here to be the guy. Um, you know, he's. you saw last year the quarterback play was a disaster. I mean, Fitz said it many times last season. They really struggled there. And to get a guy like Peyton uh, Ramsey, um, you know, He's got like 6,500 yards, 42 touchdowns, 23 starts in his career, and not only that, but it, it, he was in the Big Ten, so he knows defenses, he knows uh, schemes, he knows players. So it was a just an unbelievable turn of events to land a player like that in March. And I think with you know decent quarterback play, play that uh, this team will be back to where it was, you know, the previous season. I think.
0: Again, visiting with Louis Vicarra of the Wildcat Report. We're breaking down Northwestern here as part of our Around the Big Ten series. Tell me about the weapons that Peyton's going to have around him, the guys that will be catching the ball, some of the backs in the backfield. What's that look like?
4: Well, I think, uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, they had so many injuries last season, and they really hit them hard in the skill position last year. Um, You know, Isaiah Bowser's going to be back. He missed, Mm -hmm. like – I want to say he played, I think, five games last year, so he'll be back. Um, And and receivers, they miss a lot of their kind of speed guys. Kyrick McGowan missed uh, multiple games. J.J. Jefferson. um, uh, Guys are escaping me right now, but uh, they they had like three or four receivers that missed um, multiple games. Um, And, you know, I think that – those guys coming back is, is a huge boon, and then they got three offensive linemen as well. So I think uh, all in all, you know, this this offense has the potential. If they, if Peyton Ramsey once again, if he's an average quarterback, I think that they can win you know five games this year. And if if he has the kind of season a fifth year quarterback, you know, a guy that has, is a proven um you know a lot of experience and, and a proven commodity in the big 10 if he has the year he's capable of having i think that they can win you know six seven games and make some noise in the west
0: you know Louis, that that line i think obviously would have been better without with with uh Rayshon slater coming back he's opted out he'll be an nfl lineman i think for years to come how how devastating a blow is that and what who, who gets that crack in that left tackle spot in your eyes Yeah, that's,
4: that was a big blow. No question. I mean, I wasn't surprised. Uh, Certainly, you know, when he first announced in August when they suspended the season uh, big 10 postponed the season, that seemed like a smart thing to do. I thought he might consider coming back like a lot of other players have, but uh, he has shut the door on that and is moving on. And you're right. I think he, you know, he's a borderline first rounder. He's a guy that could have a long career in front of him. Um, so that left tackle spot is a big question mark. That was one of the strengths, I thought, of this team. You know, they got four of five coming back, and now not only you lose one of those four, but you lost the, the bell cow, you know, the 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 best player on the line. So I think um, Payne Abair, who's a sophomore, is going to be a guy that uh, will get the first crack at that starting job. He's another Texan. He's from the Houston area, just like uh, Rashawn Slater was. Um, So, you know, I've heard some positive things about him from the time he stepped foot on campus. He just hasn't had uh, much of a chance to prove it in games. He hasn't uh, gotten much playing time. And, uh, you know, you're going to, especially this season when there's no tune-up games, there's no non-conference, there's nothing to get thrown right into conference play. So he's going to have to uh, grow up in a hurry. That's for sure.
0: All right, you cracked the door open into the schedule, the third schedule release for Big Ten football teams. What do you make of this one, and, and where does it benefit the Caps in your eyes?
4: Well, you know, as the way I look at it is, you know, the three big games um, in the West, is, you know, they're going to be Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. You know, those are the three games that are going to determine what they do uh, this season, I think, and, you know, in Nebraska, to me, is always a toss up. You never know what game that's, which way that's going to go. But I think the rest of the schedule, uh, Northwestern should be able to take care of business. So it's how they do in those four games. That's going to determine their fate. Um, and once again, I think if the offense gets back on track and Peyton Ramsey has the kind of year he's capable of, I think they should win at least five. And if, if he has an outstanding year, um, I think, like I said, I think they can get six or seven and possibly make some noise in the West.
0: Is, is Fitz worried about being ready by the 24th of October? Does he feel like they're in a good spot?
4: Um, he says they're in a good spot. You know, it's funny because they've got not only a new quarterback, but you got a new offensive coordinator and Mike and so they're installing a completely new system, and he's got to get used to the personnel, and they've got to get used to him, and they got to build rapport with Peyton Ramsey and all that kind of stuff. But they feel like, even though they haven't been practicing, the layoff – has really given them some time to to do deeper dives on the offense. And I talked to Riley Lee's last week, uh, wide receiver, and he says he feels like he's been in this offense five years. You know, this he's a fifth year senior that it's become second nature, and he it seems like they've. You know they installed it in the spring and then in the beginning of uh fall camp the initial fall camp and then they took a break and they were working out and now they're reinstalling it for like the third time so it's, <laughs> you know it, it becomes second nature he feels like that that was his quote is that it's become second nature for him so they feel like uh, they'll be ready to go
0: very good Cats open at home with Maryland on the weekend of October the 24th. Louis Vickera, the Wildcat Report. As always, Louis, we appreciate it. Let's get some football underway, can't we?
4: Yeah, it's great to talk football, isn't it? And not uh, contact tracing and all that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> so I, pre- I appreciate you having me on, Greg. No doubt, Louis. Appreciate it. Great show tonight. Wonderful guests. Tomorrow night we'll have our first practice report of the fall. All right. Football's almost here, Husker fans. Can't wait for that. We'll go beyond the headlines and our top ten Tuesday. All coming your way on what should be a fun Tuesday night show. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Mick, and to all of you for listening tonight. Enjoy the rest of your night. Good night.